listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Yeah, yes indeed. Welcome to the Fret Files Podcast. My name is Eric Daw. I came here to fix guitars and chew bubblegum, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, I've got some. Uh, no, I'm your, uh, I'm your luthier. I, I'm your, I'm, I'm your guitar scientist with 25 years of experience building and repairing guitars. Sitting beside me is my lovely wife and co-host, Melissa. Greetings. I will read the listener-submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. You know, I was thinking about how funny it is that my co-host on this guitar-centric podcast uh-huh. doesn't really care about guitars. I I care so much. Don't you? I well, do. She's, I, she's a leather worker. I Wh- care enough. What are you working on lately? What's What's on your bench? Uh, I'm making a tote right now, and I made, uh, I made 14 Blackguard strap blanks this morning. Really? Yeah. Wow, nice work. Yeah, I mean, they got a long way to go. I just cut the straps and cut them to length. Well, that's 14, though. That's cool. Yeah. What's on my bench, you ask? Well, I'm uh, working (laughs) on, I've... I finished a few custom guitars over the last couple days. You know, I do them in batches. I do like two or three a month. Lately, I've been doing three a month. And uh, they go through a whole process. You know, there's the prep and all all the stuff that happens before the stuff that happens. And then you get all the sanding and all the cutting and all the everything done. And you get the guitars in the paint booth. You know, you prep them, you paint them, all this stuff. Then they... You wind the pickups while the paint cures, and they and then they sit there and cure, and then fi- I'm finally in. This is assembly week. So I'm assembling guitars this week, so there's a whole bunch of repairs I need to do, and they they kind of take a back burner when it's assembly week. But um, I'm getting to everybody's stuff. If you have a guitar with me and you're getting impatient, give me a ring, give me a shout. It'll get done. <clears throat> yeah, I'm drowning in work. Uh, here's, here's something. We got about 10 different banjo emails. Whoa, really? Since last episode. And I just, I, I just deleted them all. I'm sorry, guys. If you sent me a banjo email, everybody thinks they're funny. Oh. Which you are. Believe me, you are. I laughed at all your emails, but the problem is I'm not going to read. This isn't, this isn't a podcast about how I don't work on banjos. 
It's just something I mentioned offhandedly, and now it's become a thing that everybody wants to get in on the joke, right? <laughs> so I, I'm sorry if you sent in a banjo email, and I'm not going to read it, but there were... It would have just filled up the whole show. And what kind of show is that? You, do you really want to hear a show full of people joking about how how dare you not work on banjos? <laughs> That's that would be the whole show. Well, so we're not going to do that. There you go. So instead, we're going to you know talk about I don't know what we're going to talk about. We've got questions about um, pickup placement. We've got questions about stealth pickups. We've got uh, questions about raising children. Oh, my God. Whoa. I know. What? A, all we need here is relationship advice, and we'll be here. Uh, have a real podcast. Yeah, we really do need relationship. Guys, we need relationship advice. Questions. Because we really have it dialed in. <laughs> um, I've got a recommendation for you. For me? Or for... Not for the listener. Not for you. Okay. You already know about it. Okay, what is it? I, th- I feel like the listeners of this this podcast would really enjoy a YouTube channel that I found. It's called oh. Res- Rescue and Restore. Now, this guy, well, I assume it's a guy. You never see him. It's just a couple hands. It could be a lady. Uh-huh. I don't know. This yeah. individual um, rescues and restores all kinds of things, mostly like vintage toys, mm-hmm. like old tin, you know, Tonka trucks and whatnot. But there's also, there's like, he restores a parking meter and a, an old easy bake oven and yeah. an old, an old bingo drum. And it's like, thing. um, it's, it's not quite ASMR, but it's pretty close. Dude. It's cool. It's just silent and you just watch him sandblast and it's very, uh, cathartic. Well, and the production quality is really top notch. So it's really well done. It keeps moving at a gr- at a really good pace. Yeah. And uh, some of the techniques shown for rust removal and f- for you know heating up old screws mm-hmm. and 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 get, loosening up old parts and and uh, f- you know fixing pitted metal and it's really good. Yeah. So we- rescue and restore. The- this guy, he's got over a million subscribers on YouTube. Yeah, so we're pretty late to the show, but... So maybe you already know about it, but... We just I, discovered it. Check that out. It's the it's the greatest. <laughs> what else is going on around here? Um, I had something to mention, and I don't even remember what it was. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's going on right now? Well, let me tell you. Price increase. Oh. And and uh, I decided. Well, okay. I used to I used to charge eighty an hour when I was in Seattle, and then we moved to Idaho. I dropped it to sixty an hour on repairs. I decided it was time to raise it back up to eighty. So, it's really just an increase to back to my old prices. Mm-hmm. So, it's not that big not that big of a deal, right? Yeah, and but honestly, that's probably where you should have been right from the beginning. I probably should have just stayed there. There's a flute mechanic across town, charges 85 an hour. And, you know, I feel like I should oh. at least... What? <laughs> it's just a weird thing to say. 
Well, people with flutes need repair, too. Yeah, I guess so. A flute mechanic. Yeah. It sounds like a euphemism <laughs> for is. something bad. It is. <laughs> uh, what else? Oh, I was. Oh, yeah. So I'm also raising the prices of, of my custom guitars. July 1st, price increase on both labor and like a, I think it was a $300 price increase on my guitars from twenty one ninety five to to twenty four ninety five. Hmm. And what was the day on that? July first. Which is there something else the, special about that day? On that day? Uh oh uh oh that's your birthday. That's yeah, my birthday. Melissa's gonna be twenty nine again on the <laughs> on the first. So that's pretty cool. I'm turning the big three oh everybody. Yeah, how about that? Feels weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also, you know, I've thought about changing, I, I make, so the guitars I make are called pinup custom guitars, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I've been doing that for, I don't know, 15 years. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I've been thinking about dropping the name and just going with Eric Daw custom guitars. Cause I make both. Right. Right. It's an option. When you order a guitar for me, it's like, here, do you want it branded as a pinup custom guitar with my gimmicky cheesecake pinup girl decal on the back mm-hmm. or do you just want a eric da custom guitar and people can de- decide so i put an instagram poll on instagram to see what people thought and about 60 40 people to- people told me to keep the name <clears throat> to keep to keep both names i i, can't, I just can't decide i like the pinup gimmick but I know the difficulties you're having finding decals. Well, that's what it stems from. It's I only like to use vintage, really good quality water slide decals. It's a lost art. Those old decals are like they're silk screened or they're made, you know, with like offset lithography or something. And the quality is amazing. Yeah. A lot of people make like you could go on eBay and buy water slide pinup girl decals to your heart's content. Problem is they're made on some clown's inkjet printer, and they're not even close to the yeah. quality. How do you know he's a clown? Well, I just, they're just, you know, I can is, tell, you can tell by the shoes. Is his username Bozo? Yeah. Uh, so the problem with inkjet and laser jet, laser printing, right, is that those don't print white. So you end up with a very transparent decal so you try to put that on a black guitar it just disappears yeah or if you put it on a blue guitar then everything is blue it completely overrides the color yeah so quality printing is a thing of the past these vintage decals are hard to find and they're expensive i've got a collection of them the problem is a lot of the decals i have are like 50 years old Mm -hmm. and i go to use them and they just crumble they just shatter in a million pieces So I've just been thinking, because I've been going nuts with these decals, I've been thinking, is this worth it? Has has the pinup custom guitar's name run its course? Should I just hang it up and just do Eric Daw custom guitar? The whole reason I started pinup custom guitars was nobody knew my name 15 years ago. Not that they do now, but... uh, And I thought, well... I need some kind of a gimmicky, you know... Yeah. If I just put my name on the headstock, nobody's going to care. 
Right. But pinup custom guitars is memorable. It's a gimmick. It's a it's a whole thing. Right. But I feel like now that I'm established, maybe I can just change it. I don't know. Anyway, that's my thoughts. That's what I've been thinking about. I've sold a lot of those. I've sold a lot of guitars. 170. Whoa, what? Something. hundred. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think I'm on 100. I think I'm on guitar number 170 right now. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of guitars for sale, I've got a great guitar for sale on Reverb right now. 1961 Fender Esquire. No, I'm sorry, not an Esquire. I'm thinking of a different guitar. A 1961 <laughs> Fender Custom Telecaster, double bound, you wow, know. Oh, yeah. Dakota Red, so check that out on my Reverb shop. Should we take some calls? Yeah, let's we do have it. A, we have a few. Uh, we have a few phone calls. Let's take them. All right, here we go. Let's see if this works. Hey, Eric and Melissa, Austin here. Uh, two quick questions. I am working my way through a Stumac Dreadnought kit, and I got the um, frets in, and I decided to um, super glue them. So I put a drop of um, thin, I think number 10 super glue, in the small hole below where the fret bottom is. And it ran through, but then when I was finished, there was a little bit of super glue left over on the fretboard. And I wanted to know what's the best way to clean that up. I think I ended up trying to sand it. didn't work so well. I think I ended up using some fingernail polish remover, but that may have discolored the wood. So how do you do that? Second quick, quick question. Um, I got the finish on, and I have a little bit of bluish on the backside. And I read online that this could be due to moisture trapped in the uh, finish. But I was spraying in Las Vegas. There's no moisture in the air. It was a hot day. Um, and I was spraying, spraying relatively thin coats. So what might you do with that issue? Thanks for the show. Bye. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for the call. Um, I don't use – when I so using the superglue with the frets, um, a lot of guys use the thin, but – that's been my experience is that it goes everywhere. I use thick. I use the thick super glue and just just a little goes a long way. I just put it right in the slot and then you can, you know, if you've got an arbor press, you just pump that fret down right into the slot and the super glue stays put. That thin stuff wicks into the fingerboard. It goes everywhere if you're you know, whether you're tapping frets in or got an arbor press, it'll squirt, you know, super glue out the sides if you put too much in and it's too, it's too thin. So I use the thick super glue for fretting. So that's, that's what I would recommend you do. Instead of doing the thin, use, use thick super glue and, uh, that should solve the problems you're having because it doesn't get everywhere. What was his other question? Uh, how do you clean it up once it's everywhere? Oh. Um, grab a razor blade and, you know, scrape. That's what I do. Yeah. But if it, if it has saturated the wood, like thin super glue does, then there's kind of no cleaning it up. It, cause it just wicks into, it'll just wick into the, into the end grain from the fret slot. So, Yeah. Use the thick stuff. That'll that'll solve your problem. Oh, he says he's getting a lot of blush on his in his finish. 
but he's spraying in Las Vegas, which is very dry and using very light coats. So I don't know. That's that's weird. What kind of finish are you using? Um, they have a... Uh, you can buy an aerosol product called Blush Retardant. Uh, Mohawk or Balin's, they sell that. You can just get a... You know, it's just an aerosol can. Blush Retardant for lacquer. So if you're using lacquer and you get some blush, which is kind of a white milkiness, mm-hmm. um, then spray some blush retardant on there, and that should help. So try that. Uh, that was it, right? Yeah, let me look at I think the... so. Uh, yeah, okay. Thanks, Austin. Thanks for the call, my man. Hey, Eric and Melissa. This is Warren up in Alberta. Hope everything's going well down your way. Um I guess this week I had a question about some fretting, some refretting, I guess. So I've been, you know, probably refretted, I'd say, eight or ten instruments at this point with pretty good results. Um, but one thing I'm noticing as I do this is sometimes I tend to get a little bit of chip out. For instance, when I'm widening the, um, the fret slots with my gauge fret saw from Stuart McDonald. On one side of the neck, sometimes I'll get, typically, I think it's on the side when I'm pulling towards me, I'll get a little bit of chip out every now and then on some of the, um, some of the ends of the fret slots. And this is, you know, these aren't on super high-end instruments, so not that concerning, and I end up trying to touch them up, but it's kind of annoying and just wondering, is there some way, is something I'm doing wrong, perhaps, maybe the way I'm pulling the the saw, you know, the, do I need to like let up as I pull it out of the slot just as the saw comes, slaw, <laughs> just as the saw comes out of the slot, tongue twister. Um, you know, one thing I've started to do is flip it around and pull on the side opposite of what you would see. For instance, if you're holding the instrument later when it's put back together, that way if I do get some chip out, it's on the bottom side of the neck. But that's still not satisfying. Um, so I'm just looking for ways around that. Maybe there's a subtle little trick that I'm missing. Um, the other question is um, around gluing the frets in after I hammer them in. That's the way I usually do it, is hammering. Um, I typically use, you know, very thin or thin um, CA glue from Stumac and a little whip it thing and drip it into the into the uh the fret slots along the frets and I think I'm getting a little using a little too much glue. I go back immediately with a Q tip and some acetone and uh kind of wipe off along the frets on both sides um as I you know sometimes some will seep out onto the fingerboard. But then I notice that um you know no matter how much you wipe that off you seem to get you know a little uh, you know just a little um a little bit still left on there, and it just, you know, looking for ways around that. Maybe I'm just using too much. Maybe I need to drip the super glue just down the, from the side of the fret, you know, let it kind of run underneath the fret more than on top of the fingerboard. Uh, also, you know, I've heard of people using wax, you know, putting some layer of wax around uh, before they do this, and that's always kind of scared me. But anyway, any tips you might have? Oh, and he got cut off. Sorry, it was like the hook. They bring out the hook on the gong show and pull. Okay, time's up and pull, pull, pull you <laughs> off the stage. 
Now, I think you have three minutes to leave your message, and if you if you can't do it in three minutes, then then so long. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Yeah. So my again, my technique for using super glue when I'm when I'm fretting guitars is I put the super glue in first, okay, and not the thin, but the thick. So you just run a little bead in the slot, and then put the fret right down on top of it. Mm-hmm. So he's wicking in thin super glue after it's already fretted, and that's yeah. I mean that can get messy. It can be done. You can do it that way. There's nothing nothing wrong with doing it that way, as long as you uh, don't make a mess of it. But you know that's I'm just telling you my technique. Your other problem where you're chipping out the end of the fret slot with your gauged fret slot saw. Uh, here's what I would do. Take that saw and, um, every time you're going to run it in a slot, you hold it at a little bit of an angle. So it's just kissing the, uh, the edge of the slot, right? And run it in to the slot on both sides. So that way you're just widening just the end of the slot first mm-hmm. so that when you go and run it, you know, per- perpendicular with the neck, yep. then you're not going to chip it out because you've already widened the, the ends of the slots. Okay. That made sense to me because I could see all your hand motions. I hope that makes sense to the listeners. It should. I don't know how it couldn't. It's uh, pretty straightforward. Um. You know, you've got a you've got a slaw there. I said it too. My God, <laughs> look what you've started! You've got a saw that's wider than the slot, and so it's just going to chip out. Especially if you're, I mean, if you're using, if you're working with ebony or something, look out. So yeah, widen the widen the very edges first, and you want to run, you know, towards in towards the center of the neck, not out. You know, because mm-hmm. that's going to chip out. So you want to widen each end first with just a little bit of the saw, right? That should make sense. Yeah. How, how could that not make sense? Yeah, made sense to Alrighty. me. Alrighty. Thanks for the call, my friend. Let's uh, let's take another one here. Hey again, Eric. I'm listening. This is Warren. Yeah, I, I get a little long-winded there. Oh, my apologies. Just, just caught the same guy. My uh, question there, but just, it's Warren um, from yeah, Alberta. Just wrapping up that. Anything you can suggest on, um, you know, the best way to super glue down your frets without without making a mess of it. <laughs> well, we already did, and that's about it. So thanks again, and hope you guys have a nice Fourth of July. Um, and we'll we'll talk to you again later. Take oh care. yeah, okay. So that's just you know a lesson for all you out there. Who are going to call 757-774-8482. Keep it under three minutes and then you won't have to do that. Alrighty. Shall we uh, uh, take a few uh, questions here? Or I don't know. Maybe we... Yeah, let's take a couple. Let's take a couple. Hey, Eric, apologies if you've covered this before, but I was wondering if you could comment on your experience with pickup placement. I'm a big fan of one pickup guitars with said pickup being in the bridge position, 
With the right pickup and the right output specs, an Esquire, for example, I tend to enjoy the simplicity and tone of this con- this configuration brings. In your experience, does the absence of a neck pit pickup at the 24th fret significantly alter the sound of a guitar, or does it have more to do with the actual pickup slash output of one of the one pickup being used? On a two pickup guitar with 22 frets, what is going on with pickup placement as it relates to the overall sound of the instrument? How does it, or doesn't it, impact overtones, harmonics, frequency range, etc.? Cheers, and thanks for the great podcast. That's from Michael. Thanks, Michael. You know, I think a lot about pickups. These are things I think about. I'm glad it's nice to know that other people think about these things, too, right? (laughs) I mean, I was just sitting this morning sipping my uh, Apex coffee thinking about pickup placement and here we go with this question which by the way is brought to you by apex coffee roasters based in waco texas apex coffee roasters searches the globe i mean they really do for the the best coffee beans available roasting them in-house to unlock the natural aromas and flavors that make up make each cup an individual experience order apex coffee online Fret Files listeners can use the promo code PINUP at checkout to receive 10% off from apexcoffeeroasters.com. It's a little more expensive than the coffee you're going to buy in the grocery store, you know. But, hey, quality costs a little extra. I mean, this coffee is next level. You really, you got to try it. It's, it's our favorite around this house. We brew it every morning. Hey, life happens. Coffee helps. ApexCoffeeRoasters.com Michael, the pickup uh, placement is... I don't think it makes a huge difference on an on an Esquire guitar that... Yeah, people say a lot about Esquires sounding different because there's no neck pickup. But, I, you know, in my experience, it really... I mean, it, it has more to do with the pickup that is there rather than the one that isn't. People say that the uh the neck pickup in a like in a any guitar but you know in this case a telecaster that the neck pickup the magnets affect the strings and they pull on the strings even though you're not using that neck pickup say you're just using the bridge pickup but there's a neck pickup there and it's having some effect because it's magnetic and it has a magnetic force on the strings and i guess there's something maybe to that but again like i say on the podcast all the time I never listen to a record and say, oh, that sounds like there's no neck pickup on that guitar. It's maybe, maybe it changes things a little bit, but really it it has more to do with, it has more to do with the pickup that is there and uh, what it sounds like. That's my opinion. He also asked, what about when they have 22 frets? Well, I don't know. On a, on, on a Fender-style guitar, it doesn't really change the placement at all because that extra fret is just an overhang on the neck. So, yeah. It doesn't impact much, I don't think. I really don't think it does. And a lot has been made about what it what it does on the Internet and on forums. You can read about it. But I don't really think it makes much difference. Thanks for the question, Michael. 
Hey guys, sorry if this is a bit off the topic of repair. One thing I've never heard mentioned on the show is how you balance having small children while both running your own businesses. Do you guys take turns putting in the in the time fulfilling orders, or are there some other secret tactics for getting what you need done while still giving the kids the attention they require? If so, please enlighten us with your parenting prowess. Yours is one of the best podcasts in existence. Wow. So we know that you're insane. <laughs> Thanks to Melissa for keeping the wheels on the road. Oh, well, you brought it back around. Yeah. Keep it rolling. JP near Vancouver, Canada. We get a lot of Canadian. Yeah. Why does he think I keep the wheels on the road? Everybody knows that you're the reason people listen to this podcast. I just woke up from a nap. That's I feel like I'm not keeping any wheels on any road. True. And while I talk, you're scrolling your phone. It's really helpful. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> I had to answer one text. Um, okay. I am not scrolling my phone. <laughs> Keep it scrolling. Thanks for... <laughs> Don't be a butthead. <laughs> we, the short answer to this question is we as, have grandparents around. And as you can see, we get along great. <laughs> uh, we never fight about anything. <laughs> And uh, just have nothing but respect for each other. So, you know. Oh, but seriously. Uh, yeah. The secret word is grandma. Yeah. Uh, we take turns. Yeah, we do. And we have grandparents that watch the kids. And we also have a, speci- we have a playroom in the shop for mm-hmm. the kids. So we take them out to the shop sometimes. Let's break it down. I mean, we, have, we have an hour-long podcast. Let's tell uh, JP about it. Monday is Nana Monday. So mm-hmm. they go to Grandma's house and we work all day. Mm-hmm. Tuesday is Mommy Tuesday. So Mom watches the kids and I work. Yep. Wednesday is Daddy Wednesday. So I stay in the house with the kids and Melissa works. Thursday is Mommy Thursday. And Friday is Grandma Friday. Grandma afternoon. Yeah. The diff- The other Grandma takes them for the afternoon, and we both work. Saturdays is family day. Yep. We don't work. And Sundays, we all go out in the shop. Melissa and I both work, and we take the boys out there with us, and they either, you know, help me, like, sort screws or, do you know, do something, yeah. some menial task while I work, or they play games in their and they have a playroom in the shop or they help melissa make keychains or something yeah they do all my marketing stuff now which is great yeah they make your hang tags and they only ruin like half of them (laughs) that's a good thing they're cheap yeah yeah but so we have a whole schedule yeah we do so uh yeah grandparents and also you sometimes you think like oh i'm gonna get in a solid eight hours work today and then that does not happen and so you just gotta be real patient tell me about it i spent like an hour and a half on the phone this morning with CenturyLink to cancel our old internet service i didn't know that yeah yeah as of, of course you can't cancel it on their website it oh, can't yeah. it can't be done they don't like that no I mean, so you try it, and it can't be done. And you try their chat. They have a chat, but it's not with a person. It's with some kind of, yeah, you know, AI bot. 
on a server somewhere in <laughs> India. And uh, you just get this roundabout quit. It's just something to keep you busy enough until until you, until you get sick and give up. Yeah. Right? Right. So I had to call, you know, CenturyLink and Timbuktu or wherever they are. And it takes, I mean, they're, I was on hold for probably 45 minutes. Wow. Yeah. To cancel our inter- internet because their service is the worst. The DSL internet is awful. So we got cable internet now. It's much better. Yeah, remember last episode where we were playing phone calls over my phone? It's because our internet service was so bad, we couldn't even do the podcast. So now we got new internet. Yeah, we got cable internet. And it is much faster. It's better. And expensive. Anyway, that had nothing to do with your question, JP. Thanks for writing in. (laughs) Eric, I just got my copy of the Fretboard Journal's electric issue, and your recounting of the restoration of a 50 Fender Esquire was the highlight. Oh, you didn't like the Jack White story? Beautiful description and photos of the process, and the finished product looks, in a word, perfect. What about uh, the Fugazi SG? That's a good article. Hope you and Melissa are well, and thanks for the great (laughs) podcast. That's from Matt. Thanks, Matt. Melissa's tired of me i've been joking with her all day and she's just not amused i, I send her the funniest texts and it's just radio silence <laughs> she doesn't even respond they're so funny i, I was, mean i just crack myself up <laughs> i was busy i just i was gonna we sh- i saw my okay so i saw my we saw our, i saw our brother-in-law mm-hmm. at a thrift store this morning and eric said how much is he yeah, she said, Davin's here. And I said, how much is he? <laughs> she didn't think it was funny. I did think it was funny, but I was looking for treasures. Yeah, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, guitar nerds. Visit MalcoLeather.com to check out a variety of made-to-order leather guitar straps, or you can email MalcoLeather at gmail.com for custom work. Every Malco guitar strap is designed and built by hand by me. Check out my Instagram at Malco Leather to see examples of my past work. And as an added bonus, I offer free shipping in the U.S. for orders over $35. Visit MalcoLeather.com. That's M-E-L-C-O Leather.com. Do you have any idea what I do with my time? Let me tell you. It's consumed entirely by building custom guitars, repairing and restoring guitars, Making custom guitar pickups, I make uh, replica black guard, uh, Bakelite pick guards. These are all available online. You can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's more the repair side of things. To see what's going on there, I've got a price chart. I've got, you know, pictures, examples of work. I've got a custom pickup order form. I would love to help you with your guitar repair or restoration or uh, just, you know, whatever you got in mind. Shoot me an email. Whatever, give me a call. If you want to see the guitars I make, go over to pinupcustomguitars.com. That's P-I-N-U-P, like pinup girl. I always feel like I have to spell it. I probably don't. You uh, understand, I'm sure. Anyway, check it out, and uh, I'll see you there. 
Eric and Melissa. Because of my picking style, I always find myself hitting the neck pickup on my Tele parts caster. I'm thinking about building a pick guard with a stealth neck pickup, either with pole pieces built in and flush with the guard or totally underneath. I've never played anything with this configuration, and I was wondering if you have had any experience with something like this. I'm just looking for the sound of a typical Tele neck pickup, but with it totally out of the way. Thanks. That's from Cartwright. Thanks, Cartwright. Yeah, I've tried this before. I wanted to make an I wanted to make an Esquire with a completely stealth neck pickup, and I did. Um, the problem when you've got the pickup that far away from the strings is that it just it doesn't well, it just doesn't pick up very well. It has to be close to the strings. It has to be closer than that. So, um. So I made, you know, I just stuck a regular Tele pickup in there, but sunk it beneath the guard, right? And uh, it's like a third of the volume of the bridge pickup. So it's kind of unusable. So I thought, well, I can solve this problem. I'll use uh, neodymium really powerful, like N50 rod magnets and make a neodymium neck pickup. So I did. Still not enough. And it, it, plus, when you use neodymium instead of Alnico, it just, it, you get kind of a weird, harsh sounding pickup. So, um, I've experimented with it and I found that it didn't really work very well because the pickup is so far away from the strings that you don't get any sustain and you don't get much tone out of it. So that's my experience. But I'm not saying that. You shouldn't experiment with it because maybe you'll find the solution that I never found. So good luck. Hey, Eric and Melissa. Hope all is getting back to normal for you and your family. Fun times for all indeed. Oh, yeah. Nothing's normal. Eric, what seam separation knives slash bridge bridge spatulas, etc., do you prefer? It seems that all the ones that I find are thin enough to do the job that are thin enough to do the job end up wearing out or breaking off. Do you have experience with a high-quality tool that can stand up to day-to-day use? Thanks. That's from Jeff. Oh, that's my buddy Jeff. Um, I mean, they're cheap. You know, if you get one from Stumac, they're like 12 bucks. Uh, They have them, you know, you can get them from different places. Honestly, I and you're all going to laugh at this, but... I, I just buy cheap, well, not cheap, but they're inexpensive because they're used, but I buy old knives and spatulas at thrift stores and sharpen them up, and I use those. I just, I have a whole assortment of them. I just buy them whenever I go, and I sharpen them up and use them. Um, I, I don't know. I find that that works great. You know, if you want to, if you want to pay... 12 bucks every time you need a new seam separation knife, then, you know, go for that, do that. But I buy them for a dollar and just sharpen them. And they work great. You know, just whatever. I mean, just a high-quality steel, you know, Mm -hmm. knife, right? That's what I do. I don't, I, I'm sure that they make, you know, somebody makes one that's like the Cadillac of seam separation knives, but I don't know. I don't know what that would be. Let's just look it up. See, let's see. Hello, Google. Seam separation knife. 
yeah, they're all cheap. Oh, here's one for fifty three dollars. It's Ooh. called a quarter moon knife. A crane quarter moon knife. That looks kind of cool. Um, yeah, there's a, these. These are a lot of auto body things. Oh, here's one for six bucks. Yeah, it's a cheap part. It's a cheap tool, and um, there's no reason to to get carried away. Again, like I said, I just use thrift store knives and spatulas that look the part, and then I sharpen them up and like cooking utensils. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's just. I mean, as long as they're good quality steel. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times they've got a good wood handle, and the the knives that I like, if you see a knife at a thrift store or anywhere, the the blade continues through the handle. Mm-hmm. And the handle is two pieces of wood sandwiched on top of the blade, right? Yep. If the handle is plastic and there's just a blade sticking out, then you know that blade only goes in the handle maybe an inch. Yeah. I want to see the blade running through the length of the handle. That's how you know it's a quality uh, knife. Wow. I didn't know you were such an expert on thrift store knives. There's a lot of things I do that I never talk about. <laughs> I talk enough, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Eric and Mel, I wanted to say thank you once again for all that you've done with the Fret Files podcast. Oh, you're so welcome. As a longtime listener, slowly soaking up all the knowledge you've shared on the Fret Files over the years, and because of the honest, engaging, and entertaining way in which you have shared your ex- expertise, I've gone from knowing absolutely zero about the inner workings of an electric guitar to recently completing a Telecaster-style parts build. It has a set of your pickups in it, and they sound great. Well, thank you. Man alive, what a humbling and fulfilling learning curve. I'm proud of this parts caster, flaws and all, because I honestly tried to get it right despite being a novice. It was a fun project, which I would recommend to anyone who wants to feel closer to all of their guitars. And if you're learning on a parts caster, you're not endangering any of your other instruments. Mm, Good point. Without the fret files, I would have been dead in the water many times over. Better still, somewhere along the way, I promised myself that if I soldiered on, finished, and could make the parts caster, which I've named Gomez, function (laughs) properly, I would have the perfect practice guitar to use while slowly saving up for one of your brilliant pinup custom guitars. All the best to you and yours. That's from Mark in Cheney, Washington. Thanks, Mark. The check's in the mail. (laughs) I appreciate it, my friend. Hello, Eric, and hello, Melissa. Thanks, Thank you for your continuous effort in creating such a wonderful podcast. My God, these people are so... I know, they're so nice. Uh, My question today is regarding the neck pickup of my 1955 Fender Telecaster. Upon plugging the guitar in recently, I noticed a noticeable lack of high end to the tone. It sounds similar to the dark circuit of the old Telecasters, which is not present in this guitar any longer, or as if the tone knob is rolled all the way down. The full tone, including a clear high end, comes back, however, for short periods of time if I gently move the pickup cover back and forth towards the neck and bridge. What seems to be the problem causing the loss of high end and volume? 
Is there a short between the cover and the windings? Could re-waxing the pickup take care of this problem? Any information of how to proceed would be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. All the best from Hamburg, Germany. Jan Frederick Rust. Wow, what a handle. Yeah. Uh, my friend, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this. It sounds to me like you do have a short in that pickup somehow. I don't know if it's between the cover and the coil or if it's... I mean, I don't know. Look, pickups can be very, very finicky. And when they start to short out and they are intermittent, it's it's only a matter of time. I'm sorry to tell you that. Um, re-waxing it probably is not going to help. But it's not going to hurt either. So you could... You could try to wax pot that pickup and, you know, you could see. I don't, I, I really doubt that it's going to help you though. You're probably going to end up either having to have that pickup repaired or rewound at some point if it doesn't start behaving. And that's, that kind of sucks, but that's fender pickups for you. Man, they really, they do have a high failure rate. I wonder if Leo would be upset about that. He probably would say, well, they last long, lasted long enough. You know, that's a good point. Yeah, they do have a, they have a higher failure rate than, say, you know, P90s or humbuckers. And the reason is, is because that coil is wrapped directly onto the pull pieces. And as the pull pieces rust, then there goes your coil. Sorry, uh, Jan, I wish I had better news for you, but uh, that's probably what's going on is you're going to, you're, you're probably... One foot in the door of a dead pickup. Aww. Eric, I've been playing in the guitar for about a week now, and it, it 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 is fantastic. Oh, this is a guy. I just I sent him a custom guitar last month, and he was. I had to send it to like a relative's house because he was out of town, and he finally got home, and and now he tried it out. Cool, like truly fantastic, just amazing. I can't get over how lightweight it is, and mm. your custom wiring is sick. <laughs> Thank you so much for building this. I never knew a guitar could be this good. That's from Mike. How about that? Unsolicited, really nice, I mean, glowing reviews of, I mean, I understand it's self-serving of me to print it out and put it in the podcast, but hey, that's the whole point of this podcast, right? Right. I mean... (laughs) Buy our stuff, guys. (laughs) No, I mean, we try to make it entertaining and informative, but, you know, I mean, hey, I got, we got products to sell. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for participating. We do. We really, we truly do appreciate it. If you want to take part in the show, you can send in a question. The best way to do it is go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and send in your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757 774 8482. That number is 757 774 8482. And uh, we'll use your we'll use your call on the show. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Good night. <laughs>